The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Bar. I'm your host, Margaret Mullen. I'm so pleased to welcome back to the show the incomparable Teresa Ruth Howard. Teresa is a leader and expert in the subject of diversity and inclusion in ballet and is the founder of Memoirs of Blacks in Ballet, an online initiative that is documenting and preserving the history of black ballet artists. Today, we'll be discussing the exciting next step in her work, which is the launch of a new web docuseries, And Still They Rose, The Legacy of Black Philadelphians in Ballet. The series premieres online on October 22nd on mobballet.org. It highlights the inspiring stories of Joan Myers Brown, Dolores Brown, and Judith Jameson, three black Philadelphian dancers who were classically trained in ballet. There will also be a panel discussion moderated by Teresa Ruth Howard, taking place October 28th from 3 to 5 p.m. at Philadelphia's The Painted Bride Center, and will allow for an in-depth dialogue of the early dance experiences of Joan Myers Brown and Dolores Brown. Black ballet dancers working professionally in the field will also be present to share their perspective on the current state of diversity in ballet. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for joining me again. It's such a privilege to have you as a guest for the second time. I know. I I love talking to you, and and thank you for having me. Likewise. Um, So the last time we talked was around the launch of the website um, for Memoirs of Blacks and Ballet. And how has that been going? You've put it all out there now. I know you're still building, but um, the general initial release was thrilling. And how are you feeling? Um, I'm a little, um, as the English would say, all at sixes and sevens, but I, I'm, I think it's going really, really well. We've made a lot of progress in, um, this, this year that, um, we've been working on the, the Knight Foundation, um, grant, right? And so we're just about to launch and the website looks beautiful and it looks full. We filled out the timeline. The roll call is 327 names oh. and over 150 of those have um, artist pages. There's archival data going up. So, yeah. So, I'm a little tired. <laughs> but <laughs> For it, a good reason. With, for a good reason. And I'm really proud of the work that, that we've been able to accomplish over these last, it's like, but it's almost yeah, almost 10 months. Wow, that's so exciting. Yeah, we've, I mean, while we're here right at the beginning, got to encourage everyone to check out the website and also people to add themselves to the re- your community. Absolutely. And, and, and part of the thing that I really wish that um, would have happened more naturally and maybe hopefully after we launch this big installation, it will. But I really wanted it to be a community effort. And I really wanted people to participate. And by that, I mean, if there are uh, black ballet uh, dancers who are on the roll call, really like send us your information, send us your bio, any photos, links to videos that you would want on your page so that we can build it out. And it'll be a, a real a representation of yourself that you're really proud of, that you take responsibility for. If there's one call to action I can I can give, it would be it would be that one. Mm-hmm. And to share with our friends too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, getting getting more visibility for everyone is a great thing. Um, but yeah, we're here because you have another exciting phase of MOB Ballet building, yeah. and I'm so thrilled. I was just saying to you that. As a current dance documentarian myself, I immediately thought, you know, everything that you're doing needs to be on film. <laughs> this is an incredible effort, and trying to share these amazing stories is so inspiring. And so I'm really thrilled that you're creating a web series, and I would love if you would tell us about that. Yeah, so Knight Foundation um, 
gave me a grant to explore the stories of black ballerinas from Philadelphia. Um, now, this was interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm from Philadelphia, I'm a black ballerina, and this is sort of a narcissistic <laughs> project because it really is my own lineage. It's mm-hmm. like my own, I'm tracing my own roots. Um, in that I tell the stories of um, Joan Myers Brown, Dolores Brown, and Judith Jameson, who are all classically trained by their teachers, Sidney King and Marion Suget. Um, who subsequently were trained by uh, a woman named Essie Marie Dorsey. Um, and we had the opportunity to shoot their personal profiles where they get to tell their experience um, of training in ballet in Philadelphia. And it is literally a masterclass, <laughs> you know, in just it's, in history, in in um, so, social political, um, the social political environment of Philadelphia at the time, we're talking about in the late thirties, forties, fifties, and it's just intriguing. And they are all such characters that, like, it is my joy. Like, I've known <laughs> I known Aunt Joan since I was three, and uh, I think I took class with. Dolores Brown when I was like 12 or 13 and Judith Jameson like I taught at Ailey for like 17 years so she was my my boss my big boss so I have relationships with them but then to hear them tell their stories um so intimately was really really um incredible and I'm so excited to share that with everyone yeah, it's 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 so exciting and I, I when I was going when I was sent the information and was going through the list of these women, I was so blown away. And I, I still remember as a kid, the first time I ever even saw a photo of Judith Jameson and just being like, wow, she's just something about her. She's so striking and larger than life. And just her presence is incredible. And I was like, I can't believe that we're actually getting to now hear her story of how she dealt with coming up as a dancer. That's incredible. Absolutely. And they, they're also different, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, there's all this. Personally, I'll say that I always looked at um American history, black American history as a monolith, right? So you go like, oh, well, there was, there was segregation. And you think that segregation functioned the same way everywhere. And it didn't. And Philadelphia was, it was so anomalous because one, it was a Quaker, um, uh, founded city. It, uh, it was one of the major cities that was, uh, a draw for, uh, slaves in the great migration, right? Mm-hmm. So when they, it was an industrial city, so they were attracted to Philadelphia because there was work. So it had at one point, the highest number of freed black men in the union. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself created a, a really interesting dynamic in Philadelphia. Then they had an overabundance of art going on, both music, fine art. It was had one of the first, um, art museums in, in, the, in the nation. Um, one of the first ballet schools in the nation. Like there's crazy stuff that went, that went on there that created this perfect sort of, you know, incubator for these women's stories. Right. So mm-hmm. Judith Jameson is, was able to become because she came up in Philadelphia at that time. Mm. And they tell those story those stories like that. Like in the nineteen forties, their schools were, were they were mixed. They're academic schools. Mm-hmm. And they, they all started dance not not um, Ms. Jameson, but uh, the Browns started dance in dance clubs mm-hmm. in the public schools. Because there were so many arts and people couldn't find like artistic jobs, they would double and be like school teachers. And they would, they would, at that time, they were like, we'll start a club. And they had not only just a dance club, but they had a ballet club. Yeah, I thought that was interesting when I, I, I was so honored that I got to get the little, the sneak peeks, the first sneak peeks of the series. Yeah. And I, I, I thought that was a really interesting story of the, this specific ballet club that was created so that they had this option right. to and do your, that. Your, your teacher would be like a member of the Littlefield Ballet. So mm-hmm. they actually got really good training. That I found fascinating, 
you know, that you would, I mean, now, now it doesn't seem strange because we have arts schools and we have outreach in schools, but we're talking about in the 1930s and 40s where people donating, you know, costumes and shoes and all that stuff so that these kids could have this, you know, experience. Um, so there's, there, there are tidbits like that, that are, I find very fascinating, like historical relative to Philadelphia itself. And then how these women navigated the city, mm-hmm. like the idea that Anthony Tudor, like the famed choreographer and, mm-hmm. and teacher, taught in Philadelphia, started the, the Philadelphia Ballet Guild, but he was, he was open to teaching black dancers in a mixed class. And that's a huge thing, you know, like, Oh yeah. And he's, I mean, he's such an icon in the ballet world. He's one of my favorite choreographers. And right. And you think about it, you go and see Pete and you're like, wow. So like, I don't, I don't know. I wrote an article about, um, dance criticism and somebody had brought to my attention a review. Uh, I think the, the review, the critic's name was, uh, was George Jackson and he had seen a Tudor ballet right uh, Lilac Garden mm. and Ashley Murphy from Washington Ballet was the, the, the female lead and another gentleman who was a white man from Washington Ballet was the male and he had a real problem with it being subsequently an interracial couple mm. and said well that's not what Tudor's intent was when he and I was like, well, was it? I mean, do you know that he actually taught and mentored black dancers before? And maybe he would be more interested in the quality as opposed to the idea that this is now, a, you know, non-traditional casting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's stuff like that, that like, through this project, I've like learned. And so I can say, wait a minute, you know, before having gone through this whole research, I would have read that and just been mad, but had no, you know, sort of historical evidence to say, maybe, maybe it's not the way you think it is. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, it's funny, I was interested to see, you know, even just in the little bits that I saw, um, that the English, um, or people in England being much more open and such a great presence for the company that toured to England. That was an interesting story too. (laughs) Yeah. And just how, the, ba- the ballerina girls or the ballet girls. I thought that was really cute. Right. Here just, comes the ballet girl. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so interesting to, and, um, I actually, I'm curious, uh, does she talk about that more in the, Oh, well, what's interesting going is, over? Yeah, actually. Um, so Dolores Brown, who ended up becoming one of the members of the New York Negro ballet, um, as they went to England and when they, when it started, it was Bally Americana. Mm. And then when they got the tour to go to England, the empresario who was bringing them was like, well, you need to let people know what they're really seeing. So he called, you know, they needed to let people know that it was, Mm -hmm. these were black dancers. And so they called it the New York Negro ballet, right? Very literal. (laughs) Um, and I think uh, that we, we have a flyer because we have archival data that, that will be a part of the installation. And there's a flyer that says the most exotic ballet company in America or something like that. You just go like, Oh, heaven. But, um, <laughs> right. But, but, um, yeah, she, she talks about, she's the only one of the three that mm-hmm. actually had a ballet career. Mm-hmm. So she has actually two profiles. We did the oh. early years for her when she talked about training in, in, um, Philadelphia and at SAB. Mm-hmm. And then we do the professional years and it picks up when she joins the New York, um, Negro ballet. So yeah, she talks extensively about, um, of that period and then also coming back to the state after it folded and her experience of not being able to get a job in a ballet company. Even and I know she had just been performing internationally with a professional company. And that's exactly what she says. She goes, like, you know, I had a soloist contract. I had reviews. I had experience. She goes, it never dawned on her that she would not be able to, to d- get a job. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's really, um, it's heartbreaking and yet 
you know, triumphant because she does end up dancing, you know, not in, in the traditional sort of ballet way, but doing projects and, and keeping herself in the field. And I think that this is the part that I really want to share with people is, is we talk about the suffering and what couldn't happen, but they're also triumphs in ways like the, all of these women are still here and, and they, they did all the stuff that they did and they're still here. And yes, it was unfair that they weren't able to fully live up to their potential in certain areas, but they're still here mm-hmm. and, and their stories need to be told um, because they, they are important. You know, oh yeah, um, they're but and, they're fat. I mean, they're 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 so fascinating. Yeah, and it just goes to show, you know, what a what a bit of tenacity will get you because all of them aggressively pursued their art form in different ways. Absolutely. It's exactly like uh, uh, Joe Myers Brown ends up, and she's very oh, she's the most frank. I love them all, but uh, she does not mince words. Um, <laughs> but she ends up, you know, becoming dancing in, in nightclubs with like Cab Calloway and Pearl Bailey and, and, uh, um, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. And creating her own, own way. And she would dance on point in these clubs. Like they would have full on reviews, you know? And so they were incredibly creative with being able to find their own, making their own way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which is so much of the spirit of the African-American experience, you know, and, and just to hear these women um, quite bluntly say just exactly how it was. <laughs> um, and we all love and respect them because we know, I mean, they're icons, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think people will be highly interested. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, as you just said, too, it's, you picked the perfect title. It's called And Still They Rose, which is, couldn't be more fitting. Yeah. And I thought that was, it was, I was really interested to hear, too, that um, really there was, when they were training, or some of them, it was, I mean, there was an element of competition that there were so many people of color you know, dancing as young dancers in these high, you know, doing these high level classes and delivering that there was almost, there was room for them to have, I remember, um, the, the phrase we were trying to out ballet each other. For- <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was Joe Myers Brown. Yeah. Well, you know, I love that. Here's, here's the thing. There was Sydney King and Marion Sujet were students of S. Marie Dorsey. Mm-hmm. And at one point, you know, Marion says, Sydney, let's start a school together. So they did, and it only lasted for a year or so. Um, and as, as Joe Mars Brown says, they were not sure why, but whether it was like stylistic or whatever, they ended up splitting schools and, and splitting and having their own schools. And so they, those two schools were always in competition <laughs> and there were these huge black society cotillions every year and the ballet schools would basically work together to create one presentation a full length a full full evening of ballet that always had a theme and that's when she's saying we were trying to out ballet each other because you know the schools would perform together but everybody knew that (laughs) they were trying to one up each other Mm -hmm. in, in the context but yeah, I mean, like the the idea that I think it's fascinating that the way the white ballet society would not allow them to take classes with them, but they were perfectly fine teaching privates or teaching in like the black ballet schools. Mm. I thought that was really interesting or teaching their teachers privately. So Marion Sujet would take privates with George Chaffee and, you know, because she couldn't necessarily, she was light enough to pass for white, but there were times when, you know, she would say, well, I, I, in like, say for instance, in, in New York, I can't teach you, you can't come to my class there, but I'll teach you privately. But what ends up happening is that helped her become a master teacher 
because she got so much one-on-one timing time with with these these great teachers like I was like oh my god you know it all kind of works like you're trying to keep somebody out but invariably you actually are giving them even (laughs) more access (laughs) to the information you know that's another thing the color the color uh politics of you know Sidney King was brown skin and Marion Suget looked like she was white so she could um enter certain spaces that Sidney King could not and it it that that rolled down to their students because there were students of, of Mary and Sujay who, who were very fair, like Adana Lowe, for instance, could take class in white spaces because she was so fair, but Dolores Brown would not be able to, Mm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she, she's a teacher too. That was, um, being frequently kicked out of space is, is that yeah. right? <laughs> because what would happen is is like literally she had green eyes and red hair she looked like a white woman i, I took class she was my teacher she was actually the teacher that i had when i was eight years old oh that she put my father aside and said take her to pennsylvania ballet because she could be a ballet dancer wow. yeah i was training it i was at philodanco and um yeah, so that's why I say it's very narcissistic. It's very personal to me. Oh, that's beautiful, though. That's it's my own. It's my own history. But yeah, so she would go and rent space. She would go alone and rent the space, and they would think that she was renting to a white. Uh, they were renting to a white woman, and then when her students would show up, they would be like, "What the?" <laughs> and sometimes they couldn't kick her out because she had a lease, but she w- would only be there for one year, and then she had to find another studio. And it's crazy because it's very, like, it can be very dangerous. Like, passing for white gave you opportunity, but if you were found out, it could be very, very dangerous. So she was just, like, you know, really crazy pioneer. Like, Yeah, she was really putting herself out there yeah, in a big way. Yeah, she really was. And, and, um, and, and she was, she was I, I have, she was very frightening. And as, as Judy Jameson says, she says, she cursed like a sailor, and she did. She did. She had, she had a mouth on her. Great right though. <laughs> I like that though. That's good. <laughs> and I, I saw that you're you're doing a separate episode to kind of delve more into the teachers. Is that right? Yeah. So I wanted the ladies to be able to tell their stories, and then because because um, well. Sydney King is actually still alive. I think she's like 97. Oh. But she's not too chatty. Um, and Marion had passed on. I thought, what, wouldn't it be great if I could get these women to give us an idea of who their teachers were? So I have one profile where they taught. I think actually it's, it's my favorite because the women, we intercut the women talking about their teachers and they bounce off each other mm-hmm. in a way um, that's really quite interesting. And like you learn that, um, that Dolores Brown was actually Judith Jamison's one of Judith Jamison's first teachers. <laughs> and when you right, no, but when you, when, when you hear, when you see her, Ju, uh, Judith Jamison talk about Dolores, like she like lowers her head. Like you can see that, like you go, Oh my God, you know, these relationships are real. Like she's still the student. Mm hmm to Dolores's teacher, even though like <laughs> she's in her seventies and you know, it's, it's yeah. great. Um, that's another reason why I wanted to do profiles because I wanted people to really see whomever as, as not just as icons or, or even as ballet dancers, but as human beings and, mm-hmm. and, and see these experiences as human. Yeah, no, it, I, I'm, I was really moved by what I saw in that way. And I mean, obviously, I love a good podcast, clearly, but <laughs> there is there is something to really seeing, um, you know, especially these women that have had these such such interesting, diverse lives in this field that um, you to see their faces as they talk about these different stages of right. their lives is it's really beautiful. I try to ask them about like you know, what they loved about ballet, because oftentimes it's just about the struggle, what you, what we weren't allowed to do with, but I asked them what they loved about ballet. I asked them, 
um, what like some of their steps were like, what, what were their favorite steps? What couldn't they do? What kinds of bodies did they have? You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's really, I really tried to give them, make them round them out as, as real human beings. Um, because that, that for me is the interesting part. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, the history, but like the humanness of them. Yeah. And, um, and that's such a great thing for, you know, young dancers that will watch this too, is that, that, you know, the, the history is so valuable, you know, hearing about how they made it is so valuable, valuable, but you know, dancer to dancer, that's just a great experience for right. young people right now is to be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this is how they felt about that. Oh my gosh, I feel that way. It's exactly. bringing that shared experience. And the other thing I'm really, really super proud about is, um, so my, high school best friend Natasha Hume is my web designer Mm. and she is a genius (laughs) and so I said to her I want to do a family tree I mean because like I said literally for me it is sort of my family tree um and she goes great well she has created this incredible design of this animated family tree that is absolutely beautiful. And uh, it's just like the design of, of the way that the um, installation sits on the site is so um, engaging that I'm really, really super proud of it. And it's, it's so beautiful. Like I could have never, like the information is the information and it is very information heavy. Like there are, the historical essays are, you know, eight, 12 pages long. These women led lives, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to tell. <laughs> the, the, um, the profiles are anywhere from 17 minutes to, like I said, Dolores has two mm-hmm. um, parts. So it, it's, it's really information. It's not, I, I thought about doing, oh, let's do the, you know, the five minute, five minute, but I was like, no, I can't tell the story that much. And and it do it justice. I mean, I'm like, you know, if you don't have the the um, attention span, then you know, you're not really looking for the information. (laughs) But the way that she put it together, really, um, I think it's very engaging, Mm -hmm. and it does all of the information justice. You know, so I'm very excited to unveil. on the 22nd yes i was just gonna just (laughs) gonna say that yeah october 22nd is the big the big release and how um how will people find it they they just go to the website and it it will all be perfect and you will there'll be a button for you to click (laughs) for you to enter because really i really wanted to um you know initially i wanted my title to be um museum Mm -hmm. of blacks and ballet because I really wanted it to be like installations. I wanted you to be able to create a digital space that you felt like you were walking through a physical museum in some capacity. Um, but museum is regulated. The word is regulated in New York. And so um, I could not do that. I did try, but <laughs> the lawyer was like, no, no, no. You, you can't. So I went with memoirs and I think that works as yeah, well. It's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, but the installations are, I wanted them to feel um, full Mm. and I wanted them to feel like you were taking some sort of a a journey through a life or a space or whatever. And um, I think that Natasha has figured out a way to take us on that journey. Mm. Um, And I just think it's really beautiful. Yeah, that's that's so exciting. It really, um, I mean, at times, so much into the whole point of the website, the whole feeling of the website, and also the point of the series, which is to really, I mean, make evident the vast amount of people that have existed in this field for so long, because you've mentioned before, it it so often becomes this thing like, oh, well, there just weren't any that were capable, so sorry, but that's not true. (laughs) Exactly, and so that's why I think the tree is so interesting, because as I'm interviewing these women, and as I'm going through their, their, their pictures, um, like I sat with, um, Marion Suzanne's daughter, Judy Suzanne, and she had like pictures and, and 
they get so excited. Like she's like, and this is down low and this is, and you're, and, and there's so many, like, I just know these three, but you uncover, you, oh, you pull back the cover and there are all these others that, that also had, um, careers in some capacity, some of them in, in, um, not in ballet, but some in ballet. Um, and for me, it was like, Oh, wow. Like that is, it reinforces the, the idea. I mean, this is my project and clearly I know that there, that we exist, but I still get, I'm still awed by how much I don't know. Mm-hmm. And every, like, I'm learning, you go, wow, that's really incredible. I I'm awed. And then a little bit saddened because you go like, Oh, well, why? God, if the world had just been a little bit different, then, then maybe I would know who these people were. Um, yeah, I think Dolores is second, the, the professional years when she talks about, there was a period where she like stopped dancing. And when she talks about that period, it's very poignant. Like what she says, you'll have to watch, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it, you know, it really kind of puts into perspective what that feels like, you know, to Mm -hmm. have those sorts of limitations, but to know that you're absolutely capable, but to know that no matter what you do, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it it really sheds light too on, I mean, it makes you reflect on the idea that there were even so many more capable students with potential that maybe didn't even feel like they could try, you know, and here's these women that went on to do these things and that's incredible, but there there must have been just so many more that could have made it. Yeah. I mean, like even, even when I think about it, you go like, Oh, there's Billy Wilson who ended up um, dancing on Broadway. And in fact, uh, Anthony Tudor told him, look, if you know, you, you, if you want to have a dance career, you're going to have to leave Philadelphia but you'll probably have to go to Broadway because no dance company, no ballet company is going to hire you. So he did that. He left and he went and he danced on Broadway. I think the, I think he got bells are ringing. I think that's the name of the Broadway show. But then he ended up going to Europe and dancing for Dutch national ballet, you know, mm-hmm. or there was, um, you know, Lewis Johnson who was at SAB and dancing in ballet society. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And ballet society, which is the precursor to New York city ballet. So like people, sometimes people don't, they, they say, Oh, Arthur Mitchell is the first, you know, per- black man to ever. Yes. And no, because mm-hmm. it first go round, there was Betty Nichols and Lewis Johnson who were, who were working with Balanchine. Dolores Brown was one of the students at SAB, you know, in the 1930s. Like, so then you start to go like, well, wait a minute. If those people were in those spaces, then why are we having so much trouble now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So like when, when Dolores gets a little mad and like feisty, cause you do that um, about, no, about the, the state of, of, of diversity in ballet. Now, when you hear her story, you get why she's pissed. You get why she's tired and she's, you get why, for long stretches, she just didn't want to talk about it anymore. I'm like so grateful and lucky that she did this for me because she wasn't talking to anybody. She was like, I'm done. Yeah. Nobody's listening and it doesn't matter. After so many years, exactly. how do you not get that I'm over it feeling? <laughs> right. So, yeah. But she's, then, how old is she now? She's in her... I think she's 80. Okay. I think she, okay, if, if Aunt Joan is like 85, then she would probably be 83-ish. Yeah, so, so you think about, I mean, that's a huge amount of time to be exactly. trying to fight the good fight. And, and waiting for something to change, yeah. like how long, like, okay, so, so clearly Joe Myers-Brown founded Philodanco as well as the Philadelphia school for dance arts, which is the school to the company. But then she also goes, I have founder's disease. When I see a need, I found something, right? So she, she, then she created the international association of blacks in, um, dance, 
which has this, um, this will be their third ballet audition at their conference, right? So she invites 15 or more companies, ballet organizations to come together to see uh, black female ballet dancers. This year they're adding men. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I totally forgot what I was saying. I forgot the point of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to create change, you know? <laughs> oh, okay, there I found myself. Right. So she's like, you know, don't like what she's talking to people who are like, you know, it takes time, you know, you have to be patient. And she was like, don't tell me to be patient and don't tell me it takes time because she's 85 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much more patient is she supposed to be? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So, so you kind of get, um, like I said, you get a full picture mm-hmm. of what um not just what their ex- experience was but what the world was like mm-hmm. you know at the time and i think look we live in very interesting times now and there's a lot of this sort of you know racial reckoning that america's going through and whether it's the NFL taking a knee, you know, because, which is, which is now we're looking at, first it was taking a knee because of, you know, the black bodies being killed. Mm-hmm. And now the protest itself, the idea of like who gets to protest, how and yeah. where. Um, ironically, our vice president gets to protest by walking out and everybody's okay with that because he's what? The vice president, he's a powerful white man. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I think seldom do we look at these things in the historical context. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that it would help yeah. because then you understand why people react a certain way are are upset or angry. Um, and I, I mean, that's what I'm really trying to do mm-hmm. is, is to really bring some understanding, definitely education, but understanding, I mean, this is something that every average person, you know, I would love for, you know, dance students, dance teachers to, mm-hmm. or journalists to, to engage in, but I really would love for, for ballet artistic directors to engage with this mm-hmm. information. Because I think that when they start to talk about diversity they need to really understand why it's so important like how could you not listen to these stories and then when you walk through your doors and you see the makeup of your school or your company not have that in the back of your mind as an example and say wow mm-hmm. well it, it, it only makes sense too because ballet is a historical art form we're always looking back in other ways to you know, the roots of ballet, you know, this ballet is from this time and this ballet is from this time and it meant this and that. We get all that information, but when you're looking at an organization and how it functions and right, the, people right. that, the people that make it move forward, you have to take that into consideration too, not just the, you know, what each individual ballet means, you know, from <laughs> the 1800s. Right. And other thing that was fascinating to me was, you know, um, there was a gentleman named George Washington Smith who was a, a ballet dancer and he chained with a, there was a Paul Hazard was with the ballet Ruth, the original ballet Ruth, And he settled in, in uh, Philadelphia and created a ballet school. He trained George Washington Smith. George Washington, Washington Smith went on to dance the, the first Giselle in America. Wow. George Washington Smith was rumored to be mulatto. Now, how does that change who should do or who does ballet Mm -hmm. in the historical context? Right. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I find really interesting. Like if we could do like a Gwyneth Paltrow sliding door thing, (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I mean? And be like, what if we knew this information? Yeah. What if, what if, you know, this person were were allowed that one opportunity. How would that how would that change things? Mm-hmm. About just our perspective about who should be doing what 
and how, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 this is hopefully the first, you know, of the installations. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, I will not lie. It is dense, you know, because, but you can engage with it as you like, you know, um, but there's a lot of really exciting information. And I just love the old pictures mm. of like, there are pictures of, of the New York Negro um, uh, uh, ballet on the ship going, sailing to England. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. That's what incredible. Just what a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's like a lot of stuff that, that, that I think that we all should, uh, should take a part in. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see the, the full episodes and the full display of all this now, especially now that you've <laughs> said how exciting the, even, even the visual aspect of how this is arranged. Um, so that will be available October 22nd. And it sounds like you have, um, an, an never ending amount of stories to tell after this. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. But let, yeah. Let's also talk about the 28th of October. Yes. We will be in Philadelphia. Yeah, in Philadelphia, we're doing, at the Painted Bride, we're doing um, a live panel with Dolores and Joan, uh, where we get to experience them firsthand, and they're going to tell (laughs) tell their stories. Well, the thing that's really interesting is when you get them in a room together, now, these are the two women that tried to out-ballet each other. <laughs> but they, they have you know, some history. Right. <laughs> and, and they don't always agree on what happened, how it happened. They don't have the same perspective of it. They, they um, were affected in different ways. Um, again, they're a couple of, of years apart, but and they come from the different schools, right? So, so Joe Myers Brown was a Sydney King dancer and Dolores Brown was studied with Marion Sujet. So they are, are on battling side <laughs> of that cotillion performance. Um, and Sydney King was a very different type of teacher from Marion. Um, and that I find fascinating, but most importantly, I don't want, it's not going to be a traditional panel that's going to be like, okay, an hour and a half, you sit and they talk and then oh, we have a half an hour for Q and a Q&A or comments. I'm really um, going to format it so that it's a, a conversation and a discussion with the audience. So um, I've invited some um, other black ballet dancers from Philadelphia. Robert Garland will be there. Um, Meredith Rainey, who is not from Philadelphia, but danced with Pennsylvania Ballet, as well as Jamelle Johnson and Heidi Cruz. Um, uh, I know that Heidi's coming. Hopefully Jamelle will come. Um, they're going to be there. And so we will talk about it, what, what it is to be from Philadelphia, to engage in this art form, and then to go out into the world and do it. And, and hopefully we'll have some people who... Um, who might have trained with because it is Philadelphia. (laughs) And so, you know, there are some folks that are still around. So I would love for people to come out and if they have stories to tell, you know, I would love for them to to tell, to share. So it's, I I hope that it'll be a, uh, that's what it'll be a sharing um, on the 28th and from three to five. (laughs) And I think we're just going to celebrate, you know, uh, these, wonderful stories and um and and maybe you know it does turn into a like a what what's next you know because philadelphia has ballet institutions um that are still not highly diversified and so it's still a problem and it's it's you know it's a problem all over but it is Mm -hmm. a problem in philadelphia and and that can be sort of like maybe a uh a sort of call to action as well. That's really exciting. And you also will have on display archival things, which is very, no. It's so, so actually what the, the, um, the display is that the exhibition is my good friend, Ava Miller. 
I called her and I said, okay, well, I'm doing this thing. I would really love to somehow capture it. And so she came on set and shot portraits of the women. And so we will have a triptych of each woman displayed, you know, just to honor them. Uh, And she's a, she's a wonderful, a a longtime friend of mine, Ava Miller is, and a fantastic photographer. And I just thought it would be a nice, an, an added touch um, to to the the day's event. That's great. So it's it's going to be a really exciting event. So I'll make sure too when people are checking out this episode online and on, on my social media that we have all the information of where to go and when it starts and all that fun stuff. Absolutely. And if people can't make it, I will be um, uh, taping it. And, and putting the full version or like maybe an edit depends on, depends on how it goes uh, <laughs> online so that at some point they can, because I know that that discussion in and of itself mm-hmm. will be a whole separate thing from what is, is in the installation. That's what I'm hoping that, you know, that other stories come to light or other questions. You know, I have, I have some things tucked away that I've, I've, from research questions that I have that I want to present to the ladies. Um, so it'll be, you know, an additive after we, after we cut it and make sure that it's, <laughs> you know, it's two, it's two hours. I mean, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Cause I was looking at this saying, Oh man, <laughs> I'm really sad that I'm not in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be, I'll make sure that, that everybody, I mean, I thought about live streaming it, mm-hmm. but then, um, it is, I mean, it's two hours, so it, it, the live stream thing would work, but then I thought maybe I could, maybe it might be even more interesting if I could actually edit it in a way that, um, that was a little more succinct, That's great. you know, just in case, I mean, we, we might all be fabulous on that day <laughs> and, 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 but you know, yep. Live streams are always interesting. We do some of those too. Exactly. You just never know. Also, technology has a mind of its own sometimes, so it's nice to have a plan to have it curated later. (laughs) Right. Yes. I I look at it as something that we'll probably tack on as a part of the installation Mm. um, as that that other thing, a, a continued conversation of it. You know. That's great. I can't believe this is happening. It's like really. <laughs> I know it's wonderful. I mean, and and I know I know you said it's you know personal in the way that you keep saying it in a negative way. I think it's beautiful that it's for that it has this personal relevance to you. Besides just the fact that you're doing this whole project and you've created this whole community. I mean, this is where you came from. This is this is your roots. And I know it. I feel sort of like. Um, you know, I've, I've been, I was really blessed to be able to have a night the first day that I announced mob to say, we want to support you. That was already like too good to be true. I mean, trust me, I know how fortunate I am. I mean, I know that people are, have been writing grants for years and trying to figure out the way. So I, I really do appreciate that and then on top of it it almost feels like it's just too much to be able to um to be so personally connected with this information you know and i'm not i'll tell you i'm not a really super proud philadelphian i'm just not i've never been like ah you know i'm from philly you know um (laughs) but this doing this project transformed me it gave me something, it gave me a reason to be really proud of my history as a Philadelphian and as a black Philadelphian. And then as a, a black, I sound like Guilty Jones, uh, <laughs> a, a Philadelphian, a black Philadelphian, a black ballet Philadelphian. Um, but it's true. Yeah. You know, um, I, I feel through this project, I feel that I found out that, Philadelphia is a really special, unique city. And, and because of that, it created a number of really unique and special artists. And, and that's not just in the dance uh, genre. It's like in music as well. Um, but I never quite understood that. I left, I left 
Philadelphia when I was like 17. Like I graduated, I turned the tassel and I ran. Um, so like when you're, when you're young, you don't really, you know, yeah. you don't really know. Um, but so like being able to go back and revisit that, I go, oh, wow, that's really, really fascinating. You know, so, and it's just the beginning because I really do hope to ex- expand this particular project. I mean, I would love to do something. I mean, now you are, I can call you a filmmaker, right? <laughs> Yes, you can. <laughs> I've been like, I've been pretty deep in it for five years, so I think it's right. Fine. You, as a filmmaker, you know, like it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not an easy process, but like when you are passionate about what your subject matter is, you know, you just get deeper. It's like the rabbit hole. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm down the rabbit hole with this, and um, and the more you dig, the more you find. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was like, I, oh my. I'm just, I'm just so always in awe and blown away by you and just so happy. No, I'm just so happy this is happening and that it's, you know, the premiere so soon and that we're, you know, we're going to see more. And, you know, you've talked about how supportive the Knight Foundation is to this project, but there's so much more that these things need. And so what can people do to support everything that you're trying to do? Well, you can always go on the site and you can hit the donate button and donate. Um, and right now I said the, the next step for me is first I had to really prove to myself that I could do something like this. I mean, you think you can, you have a great idea, but to bring it to fruition is a whole other thing. Um, and for me, like I would say, like, I didn't want to be like that, the Instagram person that has a whole bunch of pictures of a project that never really happened. (laughs) (laughs) But people are like, wow, that's great. I really wanted to create something substantive. And I think I've done that. And I've proved proven to myself that really that I'm fundable (laughs) in a way. Like I got, I feel like I got lucky and then I had to, I had to earn it in the work. Um, And so now I think that my, my chief goal would be to really um, find some, some some infrastructure um, funding so that that it, it's not just me and my dear friend Natasha <laughs> who are carrying this all on their shoulders. Like really, like you know, there's so much research and there's so much um, that needs to be done and can be done, but you need bodies to do that, and you you have to you have to pay people to do that. So that is my next task in order to keep this kind of moving forward in, in a real, in a powerful way, right. To bring more things like this to light, you know, I want to do projects like this and I want to be able to go into different, uh, ballet organizations and help them with their diversity initiatives and, and things like that. And, um, so that's, yeah, so that's next. Yeah. And I mean, we no, I had- experienced that so recently at PNB, you came out and, this, did this wonderful panel and it was so valuable for our community at PNB. So, I mean, it's important for you to still be able to do this work many other places. Right. And I'm just, you know, it's it, now this is coming, this is two years that I've been doing this and I'm further along than I could have ever imagined. But now, you know, because of things like the International Association of Blacks and Dance, the ballet audition, that was really successful. I mean, I've had a lot of success in this short period of time, like going to Amsterdam with the Dutch National Ballet for the conference. There are big things that happen. But so now people are aware Mm. and people really do expect me (laughs) to keep, (laughs) right, exactly. I've set the bar high. Now I have to keep, I have to keep up with myself. Mm. And so you know, that's what it is. Now I have to be like a, a master fundraiser. But you know what? I am a product of Dance Theater Parlum and Arthur Mitchell, and there was no better fundraiser <laughs> than Arthur Mitchell. So, you know, if he taught me one thing, it's, it's, it's how to get people enrolled, yeah. you know, so. Well, I hope everyone listening to this <laughs> takes that as a strong call to action to support you. I mean, this is... Yeah. With every, you know, these things start as passion projects and they, I mean, this has grown into something that is so valuable in so many ways. It has, it's so unique, has so much to give and it's so important for past dancers and for the future of, you know, black dancers in America and, and internationally too. So we need to make sure that, you know, funds go towards making this possible and sustainable over a long period of time because there's a lot to talk about. There is. And it's, it's, um, 
yeah, I mean, I, there's just so much, you know, your head could explode. <laughs> um, and it's so relevant right now. That's mm-hmm. the thing. And, and not just because, you know, not just in the ballet world, do I mean that? I mean, across the board in America, we're seeing that people being recognized and, um, included, um, for their, recognized for their contribution and, and being able to have access and to contribute is really, really important. It is what America is supposed to be about. And I feel at times we're fighting for our country in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that when, when I do something like this or somebody else does something that they're doing that, that brings certain things to light, it only kind of like shores up the, the idea of what we are as Americans. Oh my God, that's so deep. <laughs> it's true. I, I need a little bit of music behind me. But <laughs> they're like Shonda Rhimes. But, but I, I really do feel that way. I feel that because you never know who you're going, going to touch. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are a lot of very powerful people who support the ballet and, you know, like ballet exists in this country because of, of old money, right. Mm-hmm. And foundations. It's true. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the donors of who and who are on the board of ballet companies, they're generally wealthy people, generally wealthy white people of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, that is what it is. But I think that that's why it's so important because those are the people that sort of have to be reached and the concepts of, Oh, wow. And I don't, and I'm not even saying it's not even like a, Oh, these people don't want people of color in here. Yeah. I think that some people are just simply unaware. It's just not on their radar mm-hmm. because it doesn't have to be, you know? So I think that that's, part of what my duty is is to say hey look this is something that we need to take you know notice of and maybe like figure out a little bit you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean the the effort to you know keep or to bring more equality it's not over i think that's a it's common thought too it's like oh well it's 2017 and you know we're at a certain point and most of this is done but when you go into the history of it you see how continuously relevant that kind of information is right. and like that conversation really has to keep going and that to you know be a better country and to be the the you know true melting pot that we're supposed to exactly. be we have to keep looking back and talking about how we can keep improving and not just settle on our morals really you know and we've been taken like we've been taken by surprise by a lot of stuff that's happening you know mm-hmm. i think that we as americans thought we were further along than maybe we were mm-hmm. and when you see things like what happened in charlotte like like it, it's jarring yeah um it's jarring. And I have a former student that has the Charlottesville um, ballet. She's mm-hmm. the co-director uh, down there. And so we're, we're having conversations because th- that city has to deal with that. And she's trying to figure out as a ballet company, mm-hmm. what's our, what's our responsibility in this? Mm-hmm. I mean, we bear the city's name. Like how do we fit into that? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that everybody's kind of in their own, in their own way, they're looking for the way that they can um, get involved and become active, you know. And sometimes you don't realize it, but like things like things that you do just are radical in the fact that you made the choice to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? When 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 there was a choice to to not yeah. do something, yeah. sometimes the radical choice is just like to do it, mm-hmm. you know. And so. You know, so I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so grateful and glad you did. And I, again, I just really hope that people will continue to take the opportunity to check out the website, get involved, build the community, build support financially. And again, if you're in Philadelphia on the 28th, you should absolutely attend this <laughs> event. And then also just keep an eye out for the series launching 
October 22nd. It's going to be wonderful, and I'm so thrilled. Thank you so much for being on the show again, and I hope that we'll we'll have more of these. I just I know <laughs> you're doing too much Thank great work to not me. have a you know follow up after follow up. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. I really do. Well, thank you. And again, you can find all the information on my Instagram page that is Beyond the Bar Podcast, and we'll make sure that you're aware of everything that Teresa's doing with MOB Ballet. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Margaret Mullen.